We are, we are really, really excited about this weekend, and a lot is happening. I hope you were able to pull out your brochure that Pastor Scott alluded to. It's a little thicker than your bulletin inside. We're going to talk about that later, but let me just kind of intro where we're going this year with just some thoughts. We've been talking about 14ers here at Timberline since the first of the year, and what mountains we need to climb as a church. Every year we evaluate stuff and we take a hard look and we say, what are we really good at? What are we not so good at? What are we terrible at? Or what are we just not doing? And so we just really put it all out there and said, God, we want this church to be life. We want this church to be life-giving in northern Colorado and in the entire world. And it is. You guys are amazing. So we have decided, we've put these four words that I'm going to talk about in a little bit together, but we're calling this springtime at Timberline. Now, how many of you know that spring actually has some dates attached with it? Okay, so please listen. Springtime is a certain date to a certain date that it's called spring, and then summer, then fall, then winter, we get that. But as a metaphor, springtime is used multiple times with people who say, it just feels like springtime. And it's the idea of something fresh, something new. It's a, it's a restart button with certain things. And so we've just decided to call 2016 springtime at Timberline. So say it with me. Springtime at Timberline. So if it's in the summer and I say it's springtime at Timberline, I don't want you to go, it's summer. He doesn't even know it. So help us understand that when we say springtime, we're talking about this concept of God doing some new things in our lives. Now, when springtime comes, how many of you plant some stuff in your yard or pots? My wife plants all, not pot, pots. My, that just came out, but that just sounded funny there for a second. Planting pots with shrubs and stuff in it. And, and so we thought we would try something. We have no idea if this is actually going to work, but I'm not a green thumb at all, but I feel kind of cool in this hat. So I thought we're going to plant some seeds today in real soil. This is for real. We're not making this up. They got me all kinds of like tools and, and we're digging around in the dirt here. Sing along if you like to. How many remember this show? These are real seeds. Cheap Manhattan, just give me that countryside. Water. Okay, that's good. If that grows, it'll be the first thing I've ever planted that actually grows, just so you know. So I'm worried about it. But we're hoping with the light on it and the seeds that over the weeks we can actually see stuff growing out of this pot. And so, you know, by week 12 or 13, we might have something pretty cool up here that only you can say you were here when it was actually planted. So that's special just by itself. But with light, with water, with the right soil, stuff can grow. Things can happen. Things can change. The process of something growing in the earth is truly a miracle created by God. It fascinates me. The process of a life that gets a deposit of the Word of God. And that thing grows. And it becomes a passion in us to love the world and to love the people in this world. It becomes a passion in us to make a difference in the way that we care for people and going out of our way to serve and to love people who are not used to being served or loved. That's what springtime at Timberline is truly all about. 
And so we want you to join us in this mission of this year. The first thing that I just have said is the way forward. I've called this message the way forward. How do we get traction? How do we start moving? And we have decided to continue our series in the book of Acts. We, we did this series called Catching the Wind, Acts 1 through 12. And we said, why don't we take this springtime, clear to summer, and, and complete the book of Acts. And so today I want to talk about Acts 13 and Acts 14. And I'm not going to exegetically walk through verse by verse, but I'm going to do concepts of this big picture of God's stuff where God puts His hand on the early church. What you're about to hear right here, Jesus has left the earth. He has breathed on the disciples. He has said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I'm going to leave you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. He's going to show you what to do. So Jesus is physically gone now. And this is the birth of the church. This is how we as a church started all these little missionary trips. Paul had three or four little trips that he took with different people to, to preach in towns and cities and villages. And people heard that truth. Miracles happened. We're going to look at one today. And we're going to say God was up to doing His thing. The first thing in your notes that I want you to write down, which is a little tricky, is this. Listening to the Holy Spirit. Really listening to what the Spirit is saying. In Acts chapter 13, I'm going to read just this verse 2, and it says, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Two things. What were they doing? Worshiping and... I want that to be in your brain, because that pops up several times throughout the book of Acts. Worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, <laughs> Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said. Okay, that's a mystery for me. We need to break this down a little bit because was that something that in the room this voice popped up and came out of the rafters like, Paul and Barnabas. Or how, how they were praying and fasting and the Holy Spirit said. Who wrote the book of Acts? Dr. Luke, right? He's, he's an amazing Greek writer. Some of the best Greek technical grammar. So he's not making a mistake. He's choosing to say the Holy Spirit said. And I don't know about you, but I have never physically heard a voice from God, speak to me in my life. But I have on many occasions felt the Spirit of God quicken a message to me in my spirit that I know came from God. What does it mean to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Let's not be confused about this. God can audibly speak to people. I believe He has. But I think it's extremely rare Usually when God speaks, it's after prayer and fasting, it's seeking God, it's waiting on God, it's being willing to digest what God wants us to digest and put us in line with the will of God. Guys, we're in a spiritual world. And it's fascinating to me how many people, I've even kind of stopped using the word Christian because it's polarizing to people. I like to say I've, I'm trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. Because that still offends people, but 
not as much as everything that's called Christian, because everything is called Christian, whether it is or not. But even people who would not want to be called Christian would often say, I'm spiritual. What does that mean? It means they recognize that when, from my perspective, when God made man, there is a component in us that has to do with spirit. Flesh and bone, spirit. And that spirit is the very thing that we are seeking after. Only it's the Holy Spirit of God. And that is why we live and breathe. In Him we have our being. And that's the power of the Gospel right there. So we are going to be sensitive to paying attention to what it means to listen to what the Spirit is saying in our lives, both personally and corporately. Number two, why prayer and fasting? Why prayer and fasting? Let's talk about this just for a second, because you're going to see this year, we've already planned two times when we're going to call the church to prayer and to fasting. And we're going to put some dates on it. And I think it's important for you to take it seriously. Maybe you've never tried this. Verse 3. So after what? More fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. I want you to notice that this prayer and fasting, it's not just, oh yeah, let's pray over dinner. This is prayer and fasting, which is probably involving some time and some energy. What is fasting? Well, in Scripture, these days people fast tons of different things. They were fasting food, which would basically mean don't eat a meal or don't eat for a day and let the hunger pains, the sense of needing to eat, cause you to pray, to be hungry for God, to sacrifice something so that we can trust God. You know, I don't know about you, but like, how many of you have ever gone like on a health kick or you're trying to eat certain, a, a certain way, you don't, you want to avoid certain things that you're eating. So, so like, I'll just every now and then I'll set a goal like, like, cause I think like double cheese whoppers are like the best thing on the planet. And so I just, I just have to say, I'm going to avoid Burger King just for this week. I'm just not going to go there even when I'm tempted. I'm not because even though they're really healthy, too many of them are not good. <laughs> or Taco Bell. That's my other go-to place. I, like, I had a vow about, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago that I'm not eating at Taco Bell this whole week. I'm just not. So I just find myself just thinking about Taco Bell every day. I wake up and I think about, no, 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 Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. No, 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 Taco Bell, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. So I'm like driving by Taco Bell. So I just go inside and I just walked around and look at what people were eating at their plates. And I just smelled it and it just was so good. And I asked this lady if I could have a bite of her taco and she said no. And no, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But sometimes thinking about what you cannot do drives you toward it. Right? So, so what we're going to do is we're not going to fall into this trap of, of not doing a bunch of stuff. We're going we're gonna to dive into say, we're going to walk in obedience and we're going to just get out there and we're going to try some things this year that we haven't tried as it relates to prayer and fasting. We're going to take a different approach to hearing from God. And we're going to trust Him in the process. They were fasting, and they were praying, and they were about to send people out. Now look at this. Number three. Big question here. Do we go, or are we sent? Do we go, or are we sent? 
I think there's a big difference. Because the Bible is really clear in verse 4. It says, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out. How? By the Holy Spirit. Well, we just read that they laid hands on them and, and they were sending them out. So how did they know they were being sent by the Holy Spirit? Again, there's prayer, there's fasting, there's the work of the Spirit in the Spirit man, which is helping them to decipher, you're not just going, but you are being sent. What's the difference? You know, let's say that you became a U.S. ambassador to some nation in the world. And you hopped on a plane and you went to that nation as a U.S. ambassador representing this country. How many of you think that your audience there would listen more to you because of the empowerment and the authority that you represent from America than if you went as a tourist? Why is that? Because you are being sent. And behind that being sent is all the power and the authority to bring the message that you have agreed to give. That's us. We, when we view our lives as being sent to our neighborhoods, that this God empowerment is sending us to our work site, that we are being sent into our families, we are being sent into our friendships' lives. And I'm not saying make everything spooky. I don't like that. But I'm telling you, it will change your day tomorrow if you get up and realize whatever you're doing, you can be sent by God. You are a messenger that is sent by God. It will change your accountability. Why? Because if you were a U.S. ambassador, you would be careful what you said. Because you better speak only what you've agreed to say and not just make up stuff on the fly. Right? Same with God. We choose our words. We care about the depth of His Spirit in our lives. And we become an ambassador. That's why when we have mission trips here at Timberline, and we have a lot of them, we always have the weekend before where we invite them up here. And we, we lay hands on them and we pray for them. Why? Because we want them to be sent and not just to go. View the, view the reality that you are being sent by God as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Number four. I want to, I want to give you a myth. This myth it says this. He who has the most faith wins. It sounds good. You know, I could probably preach a whole sermon with that title. He who has the most faith wins. There's definitely scripture that back up the idea that when faith is birthed, God does stuff. So I'm all for faith. But sometimes it's misused. And sometimes we think all we have to do is conjure up faith instead of realize who God really is in our lives. We're going to jump to Acts chapter 14. And I'm going to read a little story. Verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Saul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. Okay, what is that? Paul looks at him, he's like, oh, there it is. He has faith to be healed. I don't know what that was. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw that Paul, what he had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. And Paul's like, yeah, about time. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. He, he was angry. He said, no, 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 we are mere men. This has nothing to do with us. But why did this happen? 
How did Paul recognize faith in this man who had never walked in his life? It's like, how will I know when I spot some of you with faith? Will there be a little halo above your head? And I'm like, you right there, stand up. You right there, you have faith. No, I think, I think there are times when supernatural faith, it's called the gift of faith, can come upon you. And this is different than trying to push doubt out. This is different than trying to say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. This is simply the gift of faith that puts knowledge of the result in your heart before it happens. And you know it's going to happen. And I, I, I pray we would see that gift of faith even more exercised in, in our churches around the world. But I know this. Paul had this moment when the Spirit was coming upon him and faith was in the room. And so Paul jumped on this idea. It's fascinating just as a side note, that this is the beginning of many, many miracles. We're going we're gonna to stop and unpack so many miracles in the next few weeks and months because the book of Acts is filled with them. One of the things you're going to notice is that most of the time when these big miracles happen, it's done in front of a lot of people. Why do you suppose that is? It's like in a city and everybody's watching, or there's a big crowd there and someone's healed. Keep in mind that this is the launch of God's church. Keep in mind that the Lord is very jealous of His church. Keep in mind that He wants signs and wonders to be a part of the planting of this church. People say, well, there's not any signs and wonders anymore today. Sure there are. But I do not see the kinds of signs and wonders that we're going to see in the book of Acts. It seems like every chapter you turn around, there's somebody like this who's having this amazing miracle happen in their life. Can God still heal? Yeah, He can. Can He still touch? Should we still pray? Yes, we should. But we need to be able to understand that we are called to move into the thinking of God. You guys, I've prayed for lots of people who weren't healed. So does that mean, okay, I don't have to get the faith. I'm not going to pray anymore. No. It means that I do what this book says and I anoint with oil and I pray over them and we obey Scripture. We're going to keep praying for the sick. We're going to keep praying for people who need prayer. We're going to trust God. Some of them may be touched miraculously. Some may not, but we're going to keep praying. The key is to obey and be in touch and be in tune with what God's putting in your heart. Have you ever been so close to someone you almost knew what they were thinking? You know, sometimes, sometimes I'll look at Bonnie and I can see in her eye, like that's my wife, and I'll say, I know what you're thinking. And she's like, no, you don't. And I'll tell her. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Or, or have you said, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Because it's like this little plan that comes together with someone that you know really well. That's what it means to travel with God. That I know Him so well. I've read His statutes. I understand His principles. I know His wisdom. I know His character. I know who He is in the integrity of His heart. And I have known Him so long that I start to have this impression that God is up to something. I can feel it in the room. I sense that the Spirit wants to say this, or I sense that the Spirit wants to do this. That's the kind of supernatural power that I think God wants us to be empowered with as we love and care for one another. Now, this story gets kind of crazy because the fifth thing in your outline says things do not always work out. We have this big miracle, which is just fascinating to me, this person who has never walked suddenly is jumping up and down. Everyone sees it. They can't believe it. They've never seen anything like it. And then some Jews are going to show up from a previous town and they're going to cast doubt 
in these people's lives and they're going to hurt Paul, physically hurt him. How could God let this happen? Look at this, verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds over to their side, which is a bad side. They stoned Paul and they dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. You know, I don't know about you, but I think in that moment, when people were coming to drag me away, I think I might have looked up and said, uh, God, these people want to hurt me. What about the guy with crippled feet? You healed him and now... You want me just to get beat up? Is that it? See, this is a mystery because I get really weary with Christians who say, oh, it'll all work out. Well, yeah, something's going to happen, but it might not be the way I want it to be. It might not be my first choice. Let me say this and I'll move on. We're in, a, we're in an interesting time in our country. And I don't, I don't live off of fear. I don't breed fear. I don't. I'm not afraid, but I will tell you, this year being an election year and all the stuff that's happening, oh, don't you love these ads? So fun to see all these debates. and That was sarcasm coming out. <laughs> there, are, there are motions in place for America that could cause Christian people who love God, who want to follow what this book teaches to be persecuted. Do you realize that? This is coming closer all the time. Again, I'm not afraid. As a matter of fact, anytime the church has been truly persecuted, it's doubled and tripled and quadrupled. But I'll tell you what, it's going to wreak havoc with people who are not really committed to the kingdom of God. Because they're going to have to draw a line in the sand and decide what they're willing to have pain for. And that might be a good thing. But we should be prayerful. And we should be sobered by the reality. God's not in heaven going, oh no, I didn't see this coming. What am I going to do? God isn't worried. He knows. But I know this. We're going to walk in according to this book. And that might cost you something. So it might not always work out the way you want. But living with integrity before God is the answer. Always. And being truthful about what this book teaches. So, what does it mean to face persecution? It's exciting times. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. These next few decades we will see. The last thing that I want to say and challenge you with is, what does springtime mean for Timberline? What does this practically mean? I want you to take out that brochure that was in your program today and, and just open it up with me just for a minute. There, we had like 11 14ers that we wanted to climb in the first couple of weeks of January. I told you we were trying to condense them down to three or four. We've condensed them down to four. And there are four words on here that really are the 14ers that we want to climb as a church. That's why I want you to pray over this. The first word is encounter. Encounter is a great word. It's, it's almost a surprise word. Like, wow, God is, we're going to encounter God in a new way, a different way. 
the same way, but these encounters, we're praying for these encounters. That's why we're calling the church to more prayer seasons, um, gatherings with special anointing with oil. We're going to have opportunities for you to fast and pray. Encountering God. The second is community. That has to do with us. That has to do with our living room here. Who are we as the people of God? What is God calling us to do? How can we journey together? I hope you're in a small group. I hope you're connecting to a few. I hope you're going deep with a few. If not, let us help you do that because community matters. So we want to hear those stories. We want to take you deeper with a few. Apprenticeship is the third word, and it's one of my favorite words. You know, the the word discipleship is kind of overused. And so we said, what about apprenticeship? This is an idea of even... Even early on, when you look at, at some of the scholars and these rabbis, when they were training someone as an apprentice, they would actually have times when the apprentice would walk in the exact footsteps as the rabbi was walking. And it was just this symbol of, I'm going to do exactly as you are doing, because I'm learning from you in how you walk, how you live this out. I would love to see a goal of every one of us in this room to say, I want someone in front of me who I'm following, and I want someone behind me who I'm being an example for. An apprenticeship. Think about that in your life. We have lots of stuff. All year we're going to be unpacking all four of these words. The last word is mission. You know, mission is what we're all about as a a church. What does it mean to be a part of the mission of God? And there's one thing that I love. About our family here at Timberline, we've had this statement for many, many years, let love live. And it's based out of that passage when they asked Jesus the greatest commandment. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Letting love live is not easy. But it's serious. And it's meaningful. And the only way you can let love live out of your heart is if you know that you are loved by God. Every one of you is loved by God. Let me tell you, let me just wrap up with one quick thought. How many of you guys know Pastor Darren Fred? The, the strange one. <laughs> He's awesome. I'm sharing this with his permission. Last week he had an interesting thing happen to him. And um, he has a different way of thinking. Would you agree? It's, it's, it's kind of refreshing sometimes. And, and <laughs> he's a lot of fun. He is, he has two cats. Now, if you ever hear him talk about his cats, he really loves his cats. And they're both very, very unique. But he has this one cat that he says loves him unconditionally more than any other person has ever loved him, including his wife. And I think she would agree. <laughs> this cat just, Thinks he's it. And this cat will sit up when he lays down. This cat will sit up on his chest. And then occasionally it'll put its paws up and it'll lean its head over and rub its forehead against Darren's forehead like this. And just just sit there rubbing his head on it. And Darren's like, when he does that, he's saying, you are mine. I love you unconditionally and, and I own you. And I think that's probably true. So Darren has this really tough day when a lot of, I won't go into all the details, nothing sinful or bad. He was just fighting, feeling a little depressed. He had some bad news and he had some, just some 
stress things that had kind of overwhelmed him in the day. And he went, he's the uh, pastor, the campus pastor at Timberline Old Town with Everyday Joe's. And so he went down to Everyday Joe's and he sat down and sat on a stool and was just waiting and had his hands up just kind of thinking, oh, this day is not what I wanted it to be. And I don't like who I am right now. This is, this is tough. God, why am, why am I having a day like this? And he notices in the door, T.O.T., the van pulls up, and it's some amazing people. You guys, I have so much respect for these people who have some major mental disabilities. They're lovely people. We have them here, too, through the week. Many times they come. And he said he knows several of them by name, and he tries to talk with them. But he said there's this one young man who has never talked. He's never spoken. He's pretty severe. And he has these headphone things, this headgear that he has to wear because sounds really annoy him. And he usually just sits at a table with his head over and he doesn't have any communication ability. And he said that he came in and normal, sat in his normal spot and Darren was over on a stool. Darren was just talking about how tough his day was to someone and how hard it is and blah, 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 blah. And out of the blue, for no reason, this young man stands up in his awkward steps over to Darren and he walks over to him and he looks right at him and he leans his head down and puts his forehead right on Darren's forehead and he starts rubbing his forehead across Darren's forehead and Darren said I was just sitting on that stool thinking God you sent this person to say to me you own me I love you. I love you unconditionally. You are mine. That is the kind of God that we serve that can take something so crazy in a story that big and apply it to our little personal lives in that moment when we need it most. You know what that means? That means your God loves you more than you can even allow Him to love you. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so moved by this. This idea that your love goes greater than our mental faculties. The Spirit in that young man was moved by your Spirit. And you made a statement. Father, we trust you right now in this moment that your Spirit will move on the hearts and the spirit of mankind in this room. I don't know how you do it. I don't understand what it means that the Spirit said, the Spirit told us, the Spirit sent us, but I know we want that. And we're hungry for that. And I pray for my brothers and sisters right now that this will be a new line in the sand for many of them to say, I am going to live for the mission of God for the rest of my days on this earth. And I'm not going to waver in that. You know, if you need to make that declaration today, I, I believe in, in drawing new lines in the sand. I do it all the time where I say, you know, I'm not bad at this, but I need to make a, do, a new declaration. And I'm just going to give you that opportunity to just lift a hand to God. If you want to say, I draw a new line in the sand that I'm going to live for the mission of God in 2016 more than I ever had before in my life. I want that. God help me. Father, you see our hearts, our hands, our lives. For all of us, we know you're putting something on us and in us in order to work through us. 
and we say yes. We say yes. Lord, give us the ability to help others. Give us the ability to see the needs of others and help us to be led by the Spirit as we climb these 14ers as a church, as individuals, with the glory of God. Father, I just pray for families. I pray for moms and dads and teenagers. I pray for relationships that are broken. I pray that you will begin to prepare us to receive the healing that we need to mend these relationships. May this be a year when big things happen in our story for the glory of God. If you're here and you're separated from God, could I lead you in a prayer? If you know you want to pray this prayer, you say, I know I'm separated from God. Sin has separated me. Just pray this right now in faith. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm I'm separated from you. I know I am, and I don't want to be. I choose you today, and I believe you died on that cross for me. And I give you my life and my future. In Jesus' name.